Uh, we're on the subject of healing. And it's, uh, we're taking some time going through healing. There's a lot of scriptures on healing. There's a lot of things to understand about healing. Uh, but the real subject of the matter for us, not even just healing, the real subject of the matter is dominion, isn't it? Healing we take a look at is really the establishing of God's kingdom on earth and God's kingdom invading the dominion of the enemy in your life one way or another and bringing restoration. We, have, we look at the scriptures as an age-old battle between two kingdoms. And there's only two. There's no middle kingdom. You either belong to the kingdom of light or you belong to the kingdom of darkness or Satan. There's only two kingdoms. no other way around it. And we look at healing as a way that we extend God's kingdom into people's lives. And we extend it and bring emotional, physical, uh, spiritual healing. And Jesus' brief three years uh, of ministry on earth is what he did most. Most of the things you look at, you look in the uh, Synoptic Gospels, the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and uh, it was healing and uh, proclaiming of the kingdom of God. And he did them together because the healing was a demonstration, wasn't it? It was a demonstration of the power of God and the rule and reign of God. And that this kingdom, the kingdom of light, is superior to the kingdom of darkness. That's the way I like it, too. You know, that process is a, uh, is a little hard for us to get sometimes because we pray for people maybe one or two times and it doesn't work. Or maybe we, we get blessed right away and, and they get healed. But it's, it's just like anything else in dominion. It's a place where you have to press and come to another level each time. So when you pray for somebody, if something doesn't happen right then, doesn't mean that God isn't healed. It means that we haven't learned how to extend his kingdom the way we should. We haven't learned how to, to uh, release the presence on God because when God's presence comes, the enemy leaves. I was talking, the last time I talked, was about forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is a rather interesting issue. I mean, forgiveness... And faith, faith which I've said from the beginning is, is the currency of the kingdom of light, and fear is the currency of the kingdom of darkness. Well, faith and fear go together because what is the faith in? Faith in the faith is in the forgiveness of God, isn't it? It's, that's what it is. We we believe when we say our faith and we talk about the good news, we, we are talking about that Christ came down, died for us, paid the price for our sins, so we'd have freedom with them. So. We believe, and what we're having faith in, is the forgiveness that God has given us. And so when I spoke to you last time, I spent a fair amount of time on forgiveness and the need for forgiveness. Why don't you throw up the, I think we're ready for the first slide. And so let me ask you this, before we put that up there. Does a Catholic priest have the right or the ability to forgive one's sin? Who else? Anybody else think? What do you think? Does he? Do you? Let's read this one. Read the first one, would you? My reader. We got them all over the place. Yeah, exactly. All right. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins? Then he said to the paralytic, get up, take your mat, and go home. And the, mat, and the man got up and went home. 
When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to men. What does that say, guys? Who, who is the Son of Man? What is that a title of? That's Jesus' title, but it's his, what he says, he's both God and man. And it's his title of, of, of being from the human race. And he said here very clearly that he has the right to forgive sins. And so do you, and so does the Catholic priest. Now, if that's the truth, and it is the truth, believe me, we have the living God living in us. It's the authority of Christ that dwells within us. He isn't kidding. It's not a metaphor that God lives in us. It's the truth. It's the power of the kingdom. He lives within us. He has given us a gift of himself. When we talk and we pray and when we forgive someone's sins, we are doing it on his behalf. We have the authority to forgive people's sins. Read the next one. And that's also backed up in Mark uh, 2, 9 and Luke 5, 23. So now John 20, verse 21 through 23. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you, if you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Does it make it real clear? But also makes another thing very clear, too. As I've told you before, if you, when you don't forgive somebody, let's say somebody sins against, you, sins against you, and you don't forgive them. As this scripture says, their sins are not forgiven. And as I showed you before, neither are yours. And you are bound with them towards hell. Because that's true. Because you remember we read uh, a couple weeks ago, we read the, the, the parable of the master and the servant and the one that forgave. You know, he, the master forgave the guy's sin and, and the guy, you know, for all the debt. And he walked off and found some other person owed him some money and says, no, pay me everything you have. And the parable says that the master found out about it and threw him in prison until he paid it all the way back. Now, we know we have no ability to pay it all back. So if you don't forgive someone else's sins, your sins will not be forgiven. I want to make that very clear. I don't care you know who Jesus is or not. The devil knows who Jesus is. He's afraid of them. If you choose not to forgive sins, your sins are not forgiven. Say it to yourself a dozen times. So what is that? Why is that? What have I taught you about the two kingdoms? I've taught you this. I've taught you that when you participate in one, you are ruled by that kingdom and have the rules and the reign of the ruler of that kingdom. So if you choose to judge people and to be legalistic about it, now who's the king of legalism? The devil. That is, that's, it. that's one of the, that's one of the, the uh, strong points of his kingdom is legalism. He's a legalist. And if you operate in legalism, you're operating from his kingdom. And if you're operating from his kingdom, you're going to get his reign upon your life and his rule upon your life. And you're going to get the consequences of that kingdom too. Don't be fooled. Remember, I've used this scripture before, and I'm going to use it on you a different way today. Don't be fooled. You can't serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other. It means that in this too. You can't serve and say you're with God and go ahead and not forgive other people. You can't do it. Because the faith we have, the currency we have is faith, and that faith is the forgiveness from God, and that's the thing we deal in. That's the currency we pay and do things in. If we don't forgive, we're not forgiven. So when you have something against somebody, you have an obligation to forgive them. An obligation to forgive them. It's not a, you know, well... 
I have a right not to, unless you think your right not to is to go to hell. Yeah, it's all about hearing and obeying, isn't it? <laughs> okay, how about read this one? <coughs> Excuse me. Matthew 5, 22 through 24. I, this is something you've heard so many times, so I put it in the message. This is a form of the message. You're, you're familiar with the command to the ancients, do not murder. I'm telling you that anyone who, who is so much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder. Carelessly call a brother idiot, and you just might find yourself hauled into court. Thoughtlessly yell stupid at a sister, and you are on the brink of hellfire. The simple moral fact is that words kill. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter your place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you, abandon your offering, leave immediately, go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then come back and work things out with God. Or say you're out on the street and an old enemy accosts you. Don't lose a minute. Make the first move. Make things right with him. After all, if you leave the first move to him, knowing his track record, you'll likely to end up in court, maybe even jail. If that happens, you won't get out without a stiff fine. Okay, so I had that go over that as well because it really confirms the rest of what I've been saying right there. Because it says the brink of hellfire. And we just kind of, I don't know, for, for years I looked at that and I just, I read it, but I really didn't take it for really what it meant. I really didn't think how serious God is about us forgiving others and making sure there's nothing in it where people are holding something against us. Now, why do I talk about it? First of all, in dominion, you have to deal with the kingdom that you're in. You have to be in the right kingdom. So you can't be filled with, you know, somebody holding something against somebody or having problems with somebody and expecting dominion to happen. The second off is when you pray for people, you're going to find many, many people have had covenants broken in their lives. People have had promises, and they broke promises. They broke their word. They lied to them. They did all kinds of different things. And there's covenants and, uh, that have been broken and, and injuries and things that have been said and all kinds of different damages that happened. And by human rights, we have a reason not to forgive them. But by God's rights, we have an absolute responsibility to forgive them. So when you're praying for someone and they got this right in their heart, in their mind, that it's okay because their parents abused them or their, or their parents or somebody else molested them or all the horrendous, horrible things and there's, uh, that could have happened, if they don't forgive, they're locked into another kingdom, the wrong kingdom. And with, without forgiveness, it's really impossible. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's the same type of thing. Because it's making the point. God goes through an all kinds. This is not the only scriptures. This is ones I just threw together uh, real quickly to find on, on, on the subject. But there's lots of scriptures on this subject. It's an absolute. It's it, it's important, and you're going to deal with it when you're praying for the sick all the time. A lot of people don't own up to it. They won't. A lot of people don't even know it. You know, I mean, what does it feel like when you don't forgive someone? You know, sometimes when it's in one stage, you know, it's absolutely you hate their guts. You know, want them, want them dead. Well, that's pretty easy to know that you're messing up there. That one's not too hard. But there's other different lesser ones where you you know you've kind of justified it off and said, well. It's because of that they're doing this stuff wrong, and, you know, I, I choose not to like them, and I choose not this, I choose not that, whatever. It's some much more subtle. But we have to pour through when we have somebody uh, that's sinned against us or we've sinned against them. We have to pour through forgiveness with them. We have to 
run through the things and just and talk with the Lord and pray over the different attributes and begin to choose over and over again to extend forgiveness to him. Because, you know, we're out here as ambassadors to save the world, right? That's one of the things we do. We make the dominion of God not only on this ground, but in the streets with the people. If you're not forgiving them, you're holding them away from the kingdom. How much God's mercy has in that? He doesn't violate his word very often. It's very merciful. But I'll tell you what, I don't want to take a chance on that. Go ahead. I'm always wondering, is that just for people in the church? Nope. Nope. It's like people that are maybe they don't even believe in God and they're, you know, doing everything they can to destroy you. Do you, I mean, how do you, I mean, if you turn your cheek and you just don't deal with them, how do you, you just. Ignore them is not forgiving them. Ignore them is not just forgiving them. Forgiveness is choose to forgive them. And you're going to have people, Christians or non-Christians, that you have to forgive. Now, now, if they if they don't forgive you and they're working against you, it's going to be cause you, cause you some problems, but not the same problems as you're not forgiving them. Because Christians are, have the living God in them. They have an authority when they speak. And the reason we all don't have a great amount of authority is very often because what we do with our lips, we say the wrong things to people. So you forgive them in your prayer you, you You go through it. You, you just work through to do it. You get serious about God and the forgiving them. That's not an easy thing to do. I, like I said, I said to you guys recently that I, I've been working through some forgiveness on different people that, from the past that I really didn't think I didn't forgive them. But as I kind of poured through the you know, memories of things, I found that I was uncomfortable with them. And then I began to pray for them, for the blessing for their life and things to go well with them. And, you know, when you pray for somebody to be blessed, it changes your heart. It really does. You change. The kingdom of God is this. It's what you give away you get, right? The kingdom of the world is what you get you get, you know. The kingdom of God is what you give away you get. That's where, that's where pastors beat the heck out of you. You've got to give, give, to give. Some of it's for real good purposes, sometimes not. But the idea is the truth, that you give for the purpose of blessing, period. Not to get. You give, period. Well, you get back, God is a good God. But you give. And it's the same thing with every single thing in the kingdom. It's if you give away forgiveness, you receive it. Go ahead. The way that I see it, the more spiritually... We give, the more we receive. In other words, our disposition, the same way the Lord looks at us, and the same way the, the, the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ wants to save the whole world and save us from our sins and our offenses and our grievances, is the same thing that has to be worked into us that we forgive everybody around us. And when we do that, then we're a testimony, and then people are bothered in their conscience. And then that helps them come to repentance and to receiving the Lord by our our life in the way that we conduct ourselves. I too have had the hard problems and just forgave people and just stayed the heck away from them. And so well, it doesn't mean you go get yourself hurt again. And felt that peace about that, mm-hmm. realizing that I learned my lesson and I just I forgive you, but I just don't want to deal with you. The, the the idea of you know the scripture you're talking about is you know is blessing someone that curses you and it's like pouring hot coals on the head why because it allows God to bring the judgment and it, and another scripture would say things such as you know that, that that it's God's to avenge you know it's God's God to do that and if you do it you stop from God from doing it so when you do the right thing God will deal with the person 
also want to say one other thing before I go to Kendra, and, and that is this. And I've, I, I've recently saw this more than I've ever seen this before. In that process of choosing to forgive when you're wronged is a process to increase your anointing and who you are and the strength of who you are. Because to choose to do that, especially if you have someone that really, I'm like, like I know what you're talking about, that's, that, that really you didn't do anything wrong, and they do unreal, unrealistic reasons to do things to you. By forgiving them, it increases your ability because you're like the father. You're, do, you're acting as a son. You know, that's what it's the reason. Um, this is so true. I cannot tell you that this, what you're talking about, is so on time. This week was a very tough week. As you know, I work for the maternity home. How many people had a hard week or two? <laughs> this week? Oh. I mean, Last couple of weeks have been unbelievable. So what you were talking about, I had to put into practice this week. Um, they, there's a young lady at our home, a maternity home, and I'm telling you, just something about this girl is screaming deception. She's running game. And it's funny. I said, Lord, I wish I just didn't have discernment because it's like I could see right through her. This girl has my boss wrapped around her finger, and I'm like, Lord, help me. She came to me this week. Uh, she did something, and um, I was a little abrasive and abrupt with her. And uh, I went to the store, and the Lord said, you're going to go, and you're going to go repent to this young lady. I was like, but I've told her over a thousand times, don't do this. If I'm engaged in conversation, don't just come. She's one of those passive-aggressive and just, and just this girl, just so many things that I just, I don't know what it is. I said, Lord, you must have sent her to help me. You're pruning me. You're doing something. But he said, you go, and you go repent and just apologize to this young lady for being abrasive and cutting her off. And as simple as that may sound, when I did that, it's like something just, I had a peace. And I said, okay, Lord, you'll bring the judgment. And I know that scripture marks 422, for there is nothing hidden that will not be exposed. Uh, like I said, she has the wool pulled over my boss's eyes. But I said, Lord, let me do right by her and love her. Even though I know she's playing games, even though I know she's deceptive and she's, I said, just help me to see her through your eyes. Yes. So when I repented, it just like, he said, okay, now I got this. Now if there's something, I'll expose that, that other stuff. But I just, I was so free. Yeah. I, just, I just like, a, you know, something lifted off of me when I went and repented to this young lady. Yeah, because, you know, God will deal with her. That's his servant, not yours. You know, and... Yeah, go ahead. Um, what if when Jesus said, uh, if somebody slap us on the face, we should put the other face there? Mm-hmm. Turn the cheek. That's... That's hard. That's very difficult. <laughs> I mean, I was kicked last week underneath the bed. I cannot go back there and say... Kick me again. <laughs> I cannot do that. How can I do that? Directly, I don't know. <laughs> I can tell you, I don't know. I pop him in the face. I'm sorry. I'm not all the way safe. You know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, you have to forgive. I, 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 you know, the idea. I, I truthfully, not messing around. The idea with that particular scripture is it's not to take advantage. You know, it's dealing with the Jewish people, and the Jewish people, you know, eye for an eye. You know, and the reason he said an eye for an eye is because if you took out my eye, he would have taken out both of your eyes and your arm. That's how the heart of the yeah. uh, of the people. And so an eye for an eye was a matter of to say, hey, just a fair thing. And 
and this is a step farther, don't take revenge. Let God do it. That's really what it's saying there. I'm not going to let somebody kick me again because God also shows me to be wise and not put myself in situations like that. But I think that's what what it's trying to make there. Okay, um, so we want to move up in in, uh, our anointing. And by the way, why I'm at it, why do you think it bugs you about certain people do certain things so much? Why does it bug you? You ever notice certain people's things really get you more than others? You're like, you're right. God will use somebody else's weakness and sin to deal with your sin. He just does that. So if you find something that somebody really, really bugs you about, and I've got plenty of those, uh, uh, it's because it's in you. Maybe in a little different form, maybe turned in reverse, but it's the same thing. So very often those things come out there and you, you just, you want to kill them. But it's, you want to kill that in you is really what it should be. Okay, let's go to the next scripture. Go to Isaiah 61, 1 through 4. The Spirit of God, the Master, is on me because God anointed me. He sent me to preach good news to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, announce freedom to all captives, pardon all prisoners. God sent me to announce the year of his grace, a celebration of God's destruction of our enemies, and to comfort all who mourn, to care for the needs of all who mourn in Zion. Give them bouquets of roses instead of ashes, messages of joy instead of news of doom, a praising heart instead of a languid spirit. Rename them oaks of righteousness planted by God to display his glory. They'll rebuild the old ruins, raise a new city out of the wreckage. They'll start over on the ruined cities, take the rubble left behind and make it new. This is, of course, the scripture that Jesus read when he uh, was in the synagogue. And it's said, you know, basically it's fulfilled today and set down. And being that he did that, you can understand that that is your mission as well, right? Since he lives within you and his ministry is on earth and actually acted out through you as ambassadors of Christ with the authority he's given. So here's what we have here. Spirit of the God Master is on me because God has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor. Heal the broken heart. Who are the poor? Who are they talking about poor? Mainly poor in spirit, but they're also talking about the actual poor. But they're really talking about poor in spirit is, is, is the main focus. Do you think this day is a day of poor people or poor spirit right now? I mean, this, I've never seen anything like that in my life, as what we're seeing today in this country. People have lost hope. They're, 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 they're destitute in the spirit. They, they don't know what to do. And he's anointed us to deal with that. He's anointed us to give us hope. It's not given hope by promising that you're going to get raptured out. Uh, I, I don't believe that, by the way. I believe, I believe probably somewhere in the mid or after, but nobody really knows when the rapture is. But I can almost guarantee you it won't be at the beginning. When the, uh, when the trials and tribulations come, which I think they've started personally, but he doesn't take us out of problems. He never has. It's not his character. His character is to cause you to grow through problems and become who he's calling you to be. So when people are... Looking for a way out, they'll usually listen to a nice little message that says, you know, hey, God's going to rapture out, you know, and if things are going bad, you know, that's not the Lord, you know. Uh, if things are going good, it is the Lord. Uh, I almost find it the opposite, unfortunately, because he's more concerned with my character and my growth and who I am to be than anything else. He's a good father. I mean, I, mean, I, I love my daughter, and I'd like her to have nice things, but I want her to go through things to cause her to come into maturity. 
You know, but I would very often, I'm weak on that. He's not. He causes us to do that. We have people that go through things. Our call is to help them uh, and heal them up. So when we're dealing with the, the kingdom and we're dealing with healing, we're to bind up the brokenhearted. We're to help the poor in spirit that have no hope, to have hope. They're also to help them to understand that God is a generous God, not a, a God that wants you poor. That's not who he is. It's not his character. He may have you go through it for some reason now and then, but his character is to bless you. His character is to bless you. His character is to bless you as long as your eyes are fixed on him. When your eyes become focused on the blessing, that's called idolatry. That is the kingdom of this world. That's the kingdom of Babylon. That's whatever you want to call it. That's the structure of the world. You get caught up in that, and you can't serve both masters of money and God. So he's announced a year of his grace, celebration of God's destruction of our enemies. Celebration of God's destruction of our enemies. You see the enemies destroyed? He's talking those enemies, spiritual enemies. He's not talking so much the people. He's talking spiritual enemies destroyed. Comfort all who mourn, to care for the needs of all who mourn in Zion. Give them roses instead of, you know, oil of joy for gladness. That's the version I've always remembered. Message of joy instead of news of doom. Praise. You know, the doom is because the time that we're talking about, it doesn't look hope. When they came and he gave that word, Israel was under occupation by the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire had their foot on their throat, did not allow them to do anything that they didn't want them to do. So that's a similar time that we're in now. Though we don't have the same type of thing on our throat, we have the enemy on our throat. And we are to bring hope and heal up the brokenhearted. So when we're ministering to people and praying for the sick, that's one of the things we do the most. The first saying and probably the most saying I pray for a person for is hope. I hardly ever pray for somebody without praying for hope for them because that's probably the number one need of anybody I've ever prayed for, hope. I don't care who they are, they need hope. Because things are hard in life. The life of, of anyone, especially a Christian, is not a, a life of plain ease and things going well. It's a thing of work and trials and tribulations. Remember that thing that says, pick up your cross, cross when? Daily. Daily and bear it. It means that. It doesn't mean that, you, you know, I mean, I look at the apostles and they didn't run around all day when all this happy joy stuff of riches and wealth and everything going well for them and having the time of their life. They went around being persecuted. Sent from place to place, boiled in oil, stoned, all that stuff. That's the, that's the Bible I read. You got a different version? That's the Bible. I don't like that version, really. I mean, I like the other one. But that's what it is, because we have a greater reward. When he says we're aliens of this earth, we're not part of this system here. We're foreigners here. We really are foreigners. He meant what he said. We are foreigners here. We're not of this world. We're of another world and of another kingdom. We have to act as such. And if we want to become who God called us to be, I don't know how much of that is in your heart. It's big in my heart nowadays. It wasn't always big in my heart. And if it's not big in your heart, that's okay. You just ask God for that. And over time, he'll give it to you in your heart. But that's the call. You know the truth. And the truth is what sets us three. So you choose that even though you don't feel that at the time. So we're, we're, we, are, uh, we are called to, do the, uh, to deal and help the wounded and the sick and uh, and everything else like that. It's a call in our life. We're supposed to do that all the time. Uh, we're to set the captives free. In a war, there's prisoner camps. 
And when a person gets taken into sin, they get held off like being captured. Okay? Because one of the things of that scripture is to set the captives free, right? What captives? Well, some of those people have been, that have never known God are captive. Some of them that have known God are captive. And what it looks like is something, they're stuck in sin. What do I mean, sin? I mean they may be doing some real wrong things. They may be doing some things that you don't ever want to do, don't even want to think to do. But I'll tell you what, we see them hurt, and here's what usually happens. We pull that arrow. Slander. Then we shoot them again. We shoot them again with judgment. Then we shoot them again with condemnation. What arrows are those? enemies. Who are you working for when you do that? The enemy is a legalist and so is the church. The enemy is a legalist and so is the church. I found out recently I'm a heck of a lot more of a legalist than I ever thought I was. I got busted by a friend of mine. My name is Don Paul on that. <laughs> and uh, he busted me on that. And he was right. I am a legalist. Not that I go run around and do that particular one, but I do in other forms. The church, and this is a hard balance to get. The church is not here to judge the world. There's only two people here that does that. It's the Holy Spirit or the devil. I'm neither. Nor you. We're not called to sit there and tell everybody of their sins and how they're falling short and they should be this and judge them that you aren't a good enough and character this and all the crap that we do in the church and out of the church. That means the person that's a, a, a gay person, a homosexual person, I mean, Lord bless them. Is that sin? Yeah, I believe so. Am I going to go tell them that? No. Do they know it? Yeah. Is the Holy Spirit revealed to them or the enemy yelled at them? You bet. Not my job. Don't do that. Because when I shoot those arrows, I am wounding the already wounded people. And when I wound them, they are unable to come out of that place of wounding. Because they're being killed by their own people. And then what do they do? They pull away from the church. They pull away from the things of God. And they think that God doesn't love them. Yes, God does love them. Hey, did the scripture say while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you? Didn't it say that he loved you to death right then and there in your sin? Is that what the scriptures say? And then it goes on to say, how much more now as you're his, does he love you and forgive you? Galatians. Didn't it say that? So how dare we? judge the people in the church or outside the church or anywhere. We're to treat them with mercy. Now, the balance to that, I'm going to go back to this again, but i got to say this balance, and I hope you get it. I don't want to spend a lot of time with that. There's a thing called unsanctified mercy. And unsanctified mercy says it's just okay to do whatever you want. You know, and you go ahead and send everything to do with that, and it's okay. Now, the scripture says, gently restore a brother if they're in sin. Now, take, I think I could take a couple Sundays to really teach on that. But I just want to throw it out there for right now. There is a, a tension there, as there is in all the way through the scriptures on things. There's a tension on, on that thing of unsanctified mercy. Unsanctified mercy, if I could say it for the shortcut, is just saying it's okay on something that really isn't okay with God. There's a difference between doing that and choosing not to judge them and shutting your mouth. 
There's a difference between that and gently showing some brother the haste. This is not really the best type of action, knowing, as the scripture says, that you're capable of falling into the same sin as they are. But it's not a matter of counting sins. It's Remember, there are two kingdoms. One kingdom is the kingdom of light. One is the kingdom of darkness. And the kingdom of light says mercy, 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 forgiveness. And there is no condemnation in that kingdom. Do you think that he didn't know what he was saying when he said that? Do you think God was kidding when he said there's no condemnation? Do you think he's lying? No. He was saying the truth. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Zero, 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 none whatsoever. If you want to live in that kingdom with that rule and reign in your life, you've got to be that way to others, don't you? You have to give them a level of forgiveness that you've never, ever thought of. The church is the worst. I have grown up in the church in the last 35, close to 40 years now. And I've watched the church be so legalistic and judgmental on a person's sins. Somehow thinking that if they make their point their finger at the other person, it makes them safe. It doesn't make you safe. It makes you vulnerable. It causes you to be vulnerable to that sin. You can't do it. You just have to say mercy, mercy, mercy. Let God judge with them. Judge that particular person. Let God do that. I have, I have, I have a lot of, you know, a lot of, it's kind of easier when you have people that aren't Christians. Then you can pretty much cut, the, cut them a lot of slack because you understand they don't know the truth. But even if they do know the truth, you need to cut them the same slack. For it's God. Does God know how to speak to you guys? Has he, has he ever yelled at you pretty loud? Has, have you had to hear him pretty well? Yeah, well, he's capable of doing that to the person next to you. He don't need your help. Yeah, that's the truth, isn't it? It's the truth. So we shoot our own. Huh? Oh, okay, yeah. Thanks. We shoot our own. Well, we are our own worst enemy because that same condemnation we use on other people, we use on ourselves. And we think somehow that it has the power to keep us from sin. When you read the whole Old Testament, it tells you it doesn't. Matter of fact, it works the opposite way. So when is the church going to get saved? When is the church going to get who we're called to be? And not worry about the judging of others. That is going to be a day. But we're going there. That's where we're going. We're going to learn how to walk in the same in the kingdom of light, you know, and when our neighbor stumbles, and they will, we're just going to help them up. No judgment. No condemnation. Just favor. Love them. Isn't that how you get repaired? How many of you get repaired because God beat you to death? Not one of you. I can guarantee it because that's not his job. That's Satan's job. He's that wild dog that comes at your, 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 your heel all the time to keep you in line. You know, he's that wild dog that does that. That's not your job, unless you want to join his band. That's what his band does. We don't do that. We're people of the light, and we're going to walk in the light. And when our friends, family members, brothers and sisters, whatever way you want to go at this thing, mess up, and they will, and you will too, you're just going to overlook it. You're going to choose to forgive them and choose to love them through it and choose to say, yeah, Lord loves you. It's done. As soon as they said they're sorry to God, and actually truthfully before you even said it, you're forgiven. Because what? 
sins were forgiven from the very first sin, right? To the last, right? Didn't he pay the price as long as we accept what he did for us for all our sins? Didn't I get that right? You get the same thing? He did for all of our sins, every single one, first, last, ever. Unbelievable. What a deal. I mean, if we acted like that, do you think the world would get saved by us? If you're walking in total freedom, I mean, matter of fact, what they got, the first church got guilty, uh, I mean, uh, accused of, was because of such freedom they had that they, you know, they thought it were, you know, that it was sin, there's something matter with them. Because they walked in this unbelievable freedom. They had mercy for one another. They didn't hold things against people. That is, that is powerful. There's nothing more powerful for saving somebody than that. If you've sinned against somebody and they forgive you right away, what happens? You're accepted. I mean, you love it. You love that person. You know, and that, that, that's the power of the kingdom. Let's see what else I want to hit on before we pray for some people. Uh, yeah, I will. We're not quite ready for it. Enemy's plan is to pull you into his kingdom. God's plan is to pull you into his. Plain and simple. When we're praying for people, that's his plan. He wants to bring people to his kingdom. I uh, I can't remember. What the, I was talking with a couple of people yesterday. I, I don't know who. I think it was either Bill or... Uh, uh, Tom that brought this up. Go to the next slide. This is a really interesting slide. I mean, this is of John G. Lake. This is the guy that started the healing rooms. Uh, can you read this? John G. Lake was a missionary to South Africa from 1908 to 1913. While there, a horrific bubonic plague broke out. John Lake was caring for the sick and burying the dead. Britain sent a ship of medical supplies and a corps of doctors to him. The doctors asked Lake how he had protected himself from the deadly plague. His answer was, I believe the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of the sin and death. As long as I walk in the light of that law of the spirit of life, no germ will attach itself to me. In scriptural context, this verse speaks of Jesus' work of salvation, bringing the life of the spirit of God to us and freeing us from the law of sin. Or in other words, from everything, everything evil that came into the world through sin, such as disease, poverty, addiction, spiritual death, and early physical death. The doctors were unconvinced, so Lake insisted they do a microscopic experiment on him. Lake showed them that if one of, the, uh, one of them took the bubonic plague foam from the lungs of a dead person and put it under a microscope, the disease cells would still live. If they put the foam on Lake's hand and then looked at it under the microscope, they saw that all of the disease cells instantly died, proving what Lake said to be true. <laughs> they said that I had to look it up because I didn't believe them. Truthfully, that blew my mind. What is, what is with this? What do you see going here? I believe the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of spirit of death. Do you think he had any confusion on which kingdom he's in when he's operating? You can't either. We have to understand that we're operating from the kingdom of life. We have to understand that, that we're, we're, we have to be full of the end. We can't be walking to. We can't be in both kingdoms and pull that off. You know. When it came in contact with the presence of God, sin can't live. Sickness can't live. Disease cannot live. You know what speaks to me really loud? It says, uh, no germ will attach itself to me. 
Uh, this, what speaks to me is when Jesus said, when the enemy came after us, he says he has nothing in me. Those are similar type of statements. Had nothing in me. There was, there was nothing. This man's heart was full of faith. I don't know much about him, but I can guarantee he's full of forgiveness as well, because you can't be full of faith without being full of forgiveness. It does not coexist. Remember the scriptures that says, you know, if, if you hate your brother you're, you're a, and claim to be a Christian, you're a liar. Liar. Man, not even easy on it. You're a liar, and you deceive yourself, it says. He was not confused on this. Touched his, touched his hand. They died instantly. It's all over the Internet, too. I mean, this is a true story. I mean, it's documented the whole thing. Unbelievable. So it was a demonstration. It was a demonstration that Jesus didn't have the convenience of having a microscope with. So it's a demonstration that the kingdom of light has more power than the kingdom of darkness. That the reality of what you see with your eyes, and they saw with their eyes under the microscope, is not the same reality as the kingdom of God. The true reality is what everything else exists on. As I said to you before, God spoke everything into being, and everything rests upon what God said. So the, whenever you rest on something, that is the true foundation of something. Am I correct with that? I mean, if I have kids, I'm the true foundation of the kids. The kids didn't come after me. The true foundation of all things is God's word, what he said. His speaking into being, that tongue that you have. That's why you have to learn to forgive. That's why you have to not hold things against each other. That's why you have the authority to forgive sins. And that's why you have the obligation to do so. Because without that, we will never see this. I don't need it. This turns me on. I mean, that really, that really, that really, that really looks, a bit, that's hot. I mean, I like that. That's, the other scripture goes along with that. Matter of fact, it had it in here. Is that is that you, you know, snakes bite you, deadly poisons won't harm you. That's the rest of that particular statement. I didn't do the whole thing out there. But that's what he believed. He believed in a kingdom. Yes? I was just going to say the same exact thing. And those who believe, they show poisons will not harm them. And he had to stand on the word, because there might have been a Christian standing right next to him who did, who did not stand on the word, who did not have the faith, and then maybe that person, you know, it did in fact. You have to stand on the word. You don't have to only know it. You have to stand on it in faith, because the kingdom of heaven is entered through faith. And so, uh, if there was a Christian standing right next to him who did not stand on it, would the plague have affected uh, that Christian? Yeah, and, and, and that's true. The the how do you think you get there? How, how, how do we get the, that kind of faith? Do you think God drops it in on us? No, trials and tribulation and struggles and working through it and building faith. And praying and it doesn't happen. Praying more and it does. And praying more than that, it happens all the time. And like him, most everybody, just like Jesus, he prayed for, got healed. But the true deep desire in our heart to be like Jesus that's what it's going to bring us there, because that's the goal. We desire to be like Him, and we know that we have to be cleansed in totally in order to be like Him. Otherwise, it's not going to work. The power is not going to work until we still have just a tiny little bit of like a dust uh, in our heart. Of what? Of the the uncleanness 
anything unseemly. So you're telling me it's dependent upon our performance? No. Here you are. If you're, if you're thinking about it, if we're saying it's by how good we are, then it's not a gift. If we're saying by what we do on how well we're our ability not to sin, all the sin is. Remember when I, when, I taught about, when I taught about sin? The outward action of a sin is the manifestation of what's in our heart. So when we have sin, all that is is a telltale saying, this is what's going on in your life. Because all sins are forgiven. When I started as a Christian, I sinned a lot more than where I do now or where I will. Will God love me any more? No. Later? No. You know that. It's the same. His blood is enough to cover all unrighteousness. But I think what you're trying to say in there is that faith thing. The faith that has, for that kind of stuff to happen, we truly have to believe God. And that believing in God has to grow in us as trial and error and practice the gifts that God gives us and do the things he does. The best thing is by hearing. When you hear and do and keep on hearing and do, that's an exercise of faith, you know, and those things come. I I actually, I'm going to do communion right now. And since we're on the subject of being clean uh, uh, and... That's what communion's about. I know that. <laughs> so, who's got the scriptures on uh, for communion? Do you have them? 